Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sister, how are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah, I'm great. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Welcome to the Naqabi Dharis and thank you for joining us today and giving thank us your time. It's just such an honor that you actually messaged me asking me if I would like to come on. So thank you so much. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So sister, could you just introduce yourself for us and tell us a bit about what you do? Hello? Yes, hello. Yes, sister, could you tell us about what you do? Introduce yourself, please. Okay, thank you. My name is uh, Zahra Badul and um, I'm a British-born Pakistani sister. Um, I actually am a qualified alima, graduated six years ago, and uh, since then I teach at home and I have study circles for sisters and older women, um, so any women above the age of um, maturity. So I have separate classes for them and um, also I have a Bidweeb class during the day. And other than that, uh, I have my own two very small businesses. <laughs> I have a tailoring business and an online um, Arabic art business. Mashallah. Uh, and Alhamdulillah, I've uh, written a book as well. And Islamic. And in the process of having my second book published. Alhamdulillah. So what's your book called? My book is called Hot Coals, Five Reminders for Your Face. Hot Coals. Mashallah. Sounds really good. I'm going to have to get that. Mashallah. <laughs> It does sound quite scary as the title, but I promise you it's not scary. <laughs> it doesn't sound scary to me. It just reminds me of that um, hadith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, what, that's, that's what jumps to my mind straight away, mashallah. So it sounds very, um, very yeah. deep. Alhamdulillah. Okay, so sister, um, obviously you're a niqabi sister. You've been wearing the niqab. Um, can you let us know, like, what made you want to wear the niqab and how long have you been wearing it for? Well, um, I think I actually went down a quite an easy path, alhamdulillah, because my elder sisters were actually the ones who took the first step towards wearing the niqab. My um, my mum wears the niqab, so it's kind of like runs in the family. And um, when I was very young, I always looked up to my elder sisters because they were just like the image that I wanted to be when I grow, up, yeah. grow older. And so, um, yeah, because since, well, since when they started to wear it, and I, since I was very little, I was like, I want to be like them, I want to wear it too. And when I was like around 12 years old, we went to do Umrah as a whole family, and um, I decided to wear it then, which was very young, and everybody was kind of telling me not to wear it. <laughs> but, um, but I actually said, that, no, I want to try it. So I officially started wearing it um, when I came back from Umrah. And I was only 12 years old. Wow, mashallah. So since the age of 12. Yeah. I was actually, um, you know, I, I reached the age of maturity at 11. So I was through my, yeah, body-wise. So um, I thought I was ready for it. And um, my dad was quite encouraging towards it. He did, but my mom wasn't. So they did say that you are too young to do it yet. But I felt I was ready. So I did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. mashallah. That's really nice. Alhamdulillah. So um, I take it, well, I'm not going to assume, but did you find it easy wearing it for them? No, actually. Um, well, the first, because obviously in Saudi, the whole environment is like that. Everybody, there's so many Naqabis there. You're surrounded by Muslims. So it was very easy there. 
uh, for me. But when I came back to England, and then nobody, obviously, my age is wearing the niqab. Mm. The niqab wasn't even common in our area for older girls. Yeah. Um, so it, I did face uh, when I went to high school, and um, my high school was quite rough. It had a quite a rough. Um, um, everybody knew that it, it was quite a rough school, and I did receive quite. Uh, a lot of like girls used to mock me and bully me because of it. Yeah, so it came to a point where I grew really insecure wearing it. So I would, um, you know, I wouldn't wear it for a while, like coming in and out of the school. But as soon as I got into the car, I would put it back on. Um, so that happened, stayed for quite a while. Um, this was whilst I was feeling just lots of pressure um, wearing it. So then my mom and everybody told me not to wear it for a little while. But I always had it in my mind from the start that if I if I do something, I think it's just part of my character. I don't like to leave it off midway. Mm-hmm. So I kind of struggled through it, but I did um, like I was kind of like a part time niqabi, so I wouldn't wear it coming in and outside of school. But other, otherwise, I would wear it. Alhamdulillah. So, what kind of school was you going to? Was it an Islamic school or just a regular? Oh no, no, it was a public school. Yeah. Okay. So did you find um, any obstacles from anyone in your family? You mentioned that your your mum didn't think he was ready to wear it, but were there any other family members who maybe tried to, you know, persuade you otherwise? Especially with the uh, when when the bullying was happening in school. Um, they didn't. They they kind of encouraged me to just do what I felt was best. Like they said that if you feel you can wear it, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But if you feel too pressured or you know then don't wear it but um i was i was encouraged by just seeing my sister's example because they went through high school as well and they did wear it while they were young mm-hmm. um and they kind of stuck through with it so for me it was like i can't give up <laughs> i have to be like them kind of and so i did kind of struggle through it but alhamdulillah i'm very glad that i did alhamdulillah so your sisters um, did, did they also go to public school with them well they actually went to private school oh okay yeah. All right, mashallah. So you still did something quite bold and different then from them. Yeah, slightly. Sorry, carry on, sister. <laughs> uh, it got slightly easier for me because when I was 14, I actually went to study in Pakistan for my Alima degree. Okay, uh, uh, So over there in Pakistan, especially when you're in a madrasa system, uh, the niqab is very common. And they actually encourage it there. So, um, for I was there for eight years. <laughs> yeah, so I came back when I was 22. And by that time, I was, you know, confident in myself and um, much more confident in the niqab. Even though I had lived so, so many years in like a country that accepts the niqab. And then I came back to England where it wasn't common. And you would get looked at in a certain way but um alhamdulillah i was confident enough in myself to not let that affect me at that time alhamdulillah i think it makes a difference when you've been doing something for such a long time and just become accustomed to it as well it's mostly like yeah. second nature isn't it yeah yeah definitely so you, obviously you said you spent eight years in pakistan so how did you find traveling um how do you find traveling around in the in general have you been in other countries as well with it uh, yeah, I've been to Saudi, I've been to Syria and um, just Pakistan. Um, and um, Alhamdulillah, I've actually found, I know that many sisters have been through 
a lot of difficulties crossing borders and things and at the airports. But um, Alhamdulillah, I found it quite easy, um, especially in England. I was actually surprised how um, accommodating they are here at the airport. So they would be fully respectable and um, they would call a woman over to check your face. So uh, it's a very easy system here, which yeah, um, Alhamdulillah is a blessing from Allah. I will actually say that I actually um, came across like um, more difficulty in Muslim countries towards the niqab, mm -hmm. which subhanAllah is kind of crazy if you think about it. But um, like traveling to Syria, for instance, I remember I was there and they would refuse to um, have a sister come forward to check my face. And the man was uh, quite aggressive in his tone. And he was saying that, you know, you live in England. Uh, why are you being so strict about this? So my dad said, yeah, so my dad, so my dad kind of said to him that, look, if, you, if there is no woman, then of course she will show her face. But if, if there is a woman available, then you know, what is the issue? This is a Muslim country, so you should be, you know, providing for sisters who cover their face as well. So um, in Pakistan, I've had that as well at the airport, but um, Alhamdulillah, there's never been any um, issue when I've come to uh, the British or England airport. Yeah. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, me too, I've had that similar experience. I remember I'm traveling to Morocco and yeah. um, subhanAllah, it's like, uh, well, it, it didn't even happen to me directly, but I was standing behind another Nakabi sister and she yeah. was she she was Moroccan. She was arguing with the um the the gentleman. Well, I say gentleman, but the, the guy at the um counter uh, yeah. over the ID because she didn't want to show her face to him. But and he was saying like, oh well, what am I? Am I a kafir? Am I non-Muslim? Yeah. And she said, well, it's not about that. You're not my mahram. Do you know what I mean? So he he kind of had the understanding that because he's Muslim, she should just show her show him her face. Yeah. And my mum. Um, sorry for interrupting you. Yes. Yeah, carry on. I think my mum actually had a similar experience, but the man was saying to her that, look, I'm young enough to be your son and you're not oh, showing your face. And that, so, yeah, it, it's quite common, unfortunately. Oh, they have a strange understanding of it. Like, and that's, I think this is um, something is quite important to highlight because even though they are Muslim, they still don't understand like, necessarily why sisters are wearing the niqab and like, the, do you know what I mean, the point of it in general. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open their hearts towards the niqab because I mean, so far it's been so many Muslim countries have actually banned the niqab as well. So you can just automatically see their attitude towards it. So, so would you, um, obviously, you've got your own, well, you've got your own businesses, mashallah, yeah. teaching, teaching, and you're a tailor, and you've got your yeah, Arabic art as well. We'll talk more about that in a bit, inshallah. But would you would you say that you feel that the niqab is a barrier? Um, I wouldn't say. I I feel it's a barrier because both my elder sisters are doctors, mm -hmm. the GPs, and um, yes, and the niqabis. So they haven't really had um an issue, um, with the niqab. But um, yeah, I so in that way, I don't feel it. Feel it is for me. It hasn't been because I just worked from home. I decided to work from home myself. Mm -hmm. So I can't really speak on the um, experience or the sisters who may work outside have. Yeah, subhanAllah. So your, your sisters who are doctors, are they um, working in the UK? Yeah, in the UK, yeah. Okay, mashallah. Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. 
So um, would you say that um, sisters who wear the niqab get treated differently from sisters who wear the hijab and not just it, like I, not just from non-Muslims but even in the Muslim community have you seen any differences from either of those um, perspectives? Oh definitely, I definitely do feel there is a huge difference not just in the way non-Muslims treat um, niqabi sisters compared to hijabi sisters but also in the way um, Muslims um, treat you. So for instance I've had many hijabi sisters actually um, say to me, you don't need to wear it, why are you wearing it? And they kind of have this, um, unfortunately, a few of the sisters who, are, who I have come across have this attitude that um, you're kind of putting us down by wearing it when you don't need to wear it in this country. So Mama. it makes me feel a bit awkward because, um, you know, you're not trying to put anybody else or embarrass anybody else everybody's on their own journey mm -hmm. and you're just doing something that you feel is correct and you want to cover as best as you can and I do feel that um, in our Muslim country in our Muslim community sorry um, there isn't as much acceptance for Niqabi sisters and we are still looked at as um, maybe ignorant as well in some communities. They think that if you're a Naqabi, you probably don't know how to speak properly. <laughs> you probably don't know how to interact with people properly. So they do think that the Naqabi is like a complete barrier, stops you from communicating, stops you from being able to express yourself. So, um, and with the non-Muslims, like I do feel that it's maybe it's just because they can't see your facial expressions as clearly as, as a hijabi can. So there's that lack of trust there. Mm, yeah, subhanAllah, definitely. Yeah. And I think from, from their perspective, I can understand. Yeah. Um, but in the Muslim community, I mean, I find, as I said, like uh, with non Muslims, I find that often they can be a lot more understanding. Yeah. And yeah. they know that, you know, we're Muslims anyway. So it's the whole, like, Islam is alien to a lot of people anyway. Still, there's a lot of things that people don't understand about Islam. So when they realize that, okay, you're wearing this because you're, you know, it's part of your religious. Um, identity or you're doing it because of your religion they have a yeah. bit more acceptance I find yeah. and I, I, I like I like it when people just ask me questions openly you know yeah. just to inquire but when it comes to Muslims you you don't get questions you just get judged straight off the bat yeah. like with yeah. their opinions I mean even with them um, since I've started doing this podcast you know every it's not been happening too much alhamdulillah so far but you know you get once in a while just Muslims commenting, oh, it's not obligatory, so you don't need to do it. And yeah. it's like, well, actually, who told you that? Yeah, no, so like... many people from Muslims, you often hear, they're like so loud. So even when we're having like a discussion, like I remember I was having a discussion with a non-Muslim woman and um, outside and uh, there was this Muslim woman there as well. And we were just discussing, we were, we were waiting in the waiting room and we just started talking because she asked me about the niqab. And... Um, I was explaining to her that this is just my way of expressing my um, religious devotion to my God and to my Lord. And, um, you know, I feel that this helps me, brings me closer to him and makes me more aware of, um, of pleasing him in public and not going or speaking in a certain way. So to conduct myself well in public and it helps me do that. And um, this uh, Muslim sister who was sitting next to me actually started uh, you know, interfere. Uh, in, sorry, um, including himself in the conversation and saying, uh, you know, trying trying to dismiss what I was saying and uh, telling the non-Muslim woman, oh, this isn't part of our religion, though it's just a cultural thing. So, so um, 
I do find that Muslims do tend to have, unfortunately, some Muslims, obviously, um, I hate to generalize, but a lot of them do tend to have this understanding that the niqab is just a cultural thing yes. and that it has a basis in religion. Yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not like, you know, somebody that's so knowledgeable, but subhanAllah, I just think sometimes, you know, the way people talk about niqab as being just cultural, like you're an alima, so I'll, that's why I'll, I'll ask you, okay? But yeah. for example, like something like halal meats, okay? Nobody says, oh, well, halal meat isn't part of Islam. It's a cultural thing because it already existed before Islam because we know that in the Quran, even Allah tells us that we can eat the meat of the Jews and the Christians, okay? Because yeah. they have a way of slaughtering. And even the Jewish yeah. way, the kosher, the, the way the kosher meat is prepared is a lot more strict than our way. And we can go to the kosher butchers and eat their meat, you know, because we know as well, yeah. especially living in like Western countries, we know that, they're not mixing with, you know, they're not eating pork, for example, as well. Okay, maybe you wouldn't yeah. go to, you, some Muslims might not want to go to a Christian, the butcher, but because of pork, you know, that they're eating pork as well. But with Jewish butchers, we know they don't eat pork. So nobody yeah. says, oh, well, halal meat isn't part of Islam. It's a cultural thing. Nobody says that. Yeah. So why is it yeah. that you say, you kind of just try to dismiss the niqab because you say that, oh, well, it existed before like Islam times and this is not this is not a measuring stick for um, whether it's part of the religion or not. I definitely feel that. I think it's more of an insecurity issue. I feel like our Muslims, um, especially in the West, or even back home in our own Muslim countries, I feel like they try to conform to Western ideals and standards so much that they try to um, portray the religion as um, something that maybe it isn't. Um, so where it comes to the niqab, I feel like maybe because they feel embarrassed about it or, you know, because of the negative connotations it has in, in Western society, for instance. So I feel because of that insecurity, they try to downplay it. Um, but I think I do feel that is their understanding. And I also believe it's a lack of knowledge, basically. Definitely. And I think, it, you know, as Muslims, we need to, even if we're not knowledgeable, we need to try to understand that not knowing something like having a lack of knowledge is dangerous when you just kind of make these assumptions and you try to you know yeah, put your opinion um our people don't understand that the sahaba at the time of the prophet sallallahu mm. after as well their understanding of uh, of covering and the hijab actually included the included the niqab as well yes it did and um so like hazard umar and who he actually believes the Verses of hijab, which um, is a beautiful point that actually were revealed due to him wanting women to cover. Yes. So, and his understanding of the hijab included the face and included um, the whole body except the hands and the eyes, um, or one eye, even in some narrations. Amrullah um, and who um, opinion was that only one eye should be uncovered. So there are different. Um, there are different opinions on that, but it's just to show that even the Sahaba had the understanding that women ought to cover their face as well. So yeah, that was part of the time, yeah. So on that note, have you have you met somebody who wants to wear it but isn't allowed to wear it? Oh, 100%. I have met so many sisters who actually 
uh, want to know, want to wear the niqab. Alhamdulillah, I've actually noticed quite an influx of sisters want uh, coming closer to the deen. Um, you know, getting involved in their communities, coming to classes. They have that. Um, in England, I've, I've noticed, especially in my area, compared to before, there's a lot more sisters wanting to learn more about the deen. And um, I, I think that's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to witness. And they, a lot of them do feel like the niqab is like the next step for them. If they've started the hijab, they've been wearing the hijab um, for a long time, they feel that the next step is the niqab. So they want to start wearing it, but then their families don't allow them to wear it and are quite you know, heavily rejecting their, them from wearing it and stopping them from wearing it. Also, I've seen sisters who got married and they were niqabis and they got married and their husband forced them to take the niqab off. Mm -hmm. I know, yeah, subhanAllah. I know many sisters, um, many sisters who actually went through, have been through that and it's, it's very upsetting because mm -hmm. he, I, I don't think people realize how much of part of your identity it, it becomes. You know, you feel... I know for myself that I'm so attached to the niqab now that if I, I can't, I cannot dream about going out of the house without wearing it. So, so I do feel that it becomes a strong part of your, your personality, your, your identity. And to have that stripped away from you all of a sudden, because your husband tells you that he doesn't want to go out with you wearing it or shows that he's embarrassed about you mm -hmm. wearing it. So um, I, I do feel that's quite an emotional strain to go through. Definitely. SubhanAllah, I think that, you know, it's, if you compare it to um, some women who don't like to leave their house without makeup on. Yeah. You know, yeah. So like, you know, for somebody who doesn't wear the niqab and you're maybe listening and you think, oh, well, what's wrong with these women? Why would you want to cover your face? But people, women cover their faces every day with makeup and they don't want to yeah. step out of the house unless they put their makeup on, you know, yeah. so it's, it's like a similar thing. But obviously we're not showing our faces, but SubhanAllah, yeah. this is... Like when you're used to doing something and you have an intention and a strong reason, a religious reason for doing it as part of your belief. So it's yeah. not as simple as just, oh, yeah, you're doing it for decoration or for. I definitely feel the more, yeah, I definitely feel the more you learn about uh, the Ummahad al-Mu'mineen, the mothers of the believers, the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because everybody knows and that is like nobody denies the fact that they wore the niqab and they covered themselves um, so I feel like if you learn more about their, their lives you automatically have a certain love in your heart for them mm -hmm. and you do want to emulate people who you admire and there's nobody better to admire than the wives of the Prophet Muhammad yeah, so I do feel that you know people should just try and maybe look at it from that angle that these are women who just are trying to you know all around us people are trying to copy their role models all around us, whether that's uh, the Kardashians or whatever people like these days. And, you know, so many sisters are trying to follow people who are so, um, you know, cheap in a way. I don't like to use that word, but they sell their, that said they sell their bodies, they sell their looks. And I feel that's very, uh, it's, you know, you, and, to compare that to somebody who is trying to, who has a role model of the Prophet Muhammad's wife and his daughters, I think that is a much better uh, role model uh, to, um, you know, to follow and to copy.
Yeah, subhanAllah. I mean, and it's, 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 even, it's even beyond the, his wives and daughters because the yeah. ayat in the Quran, it says it addresses the believing women as well. Yeah. This yeah. is something that when I, I've seen, like, you know, interviews with sisters on the news, sisters who don't wear the hijab even, being, yeah. and they're, they're giving, you know, like fatwas or something about whether the niqab is part of the religion or not. And they say that it was it's something was just with the Prophet's wives and, and family. And it's, I don't understand where they get that from. Because it yeah. says that women, the believing women as well. Definitely. That was yeah. that's the whole community then. So that's literally every Muslim woman. Yeah, if you uh, identify yourself as a believing woman, then yes, you are part of that as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I would also say that, you know, for sisters who don't wear the niqab or, you know, um, or, or don't even wear the hijab, but have like an anti, it's not even just sisters, a lot of brothers have this attitude as well. But um, whoever you know um i'm talking to the sisters now that you know if you don't like the niqab for some reason um or you don't wear it yourself please don't think that every niqabi out there is trying to force their view on you that is not what we're doing by observing the niqab ourselves we're just doing something that we feel is correct and um so it shouldn't be um people shouldn't think that this is us by us wearing the niqab or a woman wearing the niqab that that means that she is trying to say okay this is how a muslim woman should only be like like i wouldn't ever dictate to somebody else how they should dress i think the dean already does that mm -hmm. um so you know everybody's on their own journey but i often feel that I, more um criticism is always from sisters towards niqabis where it isn't the other way around mm. yeah, and I, I do I, feel I definitely yeah. um, share that um, sentiment yeah yeah because I, I found the same thing like even going to the mosque and stuff when I've seen sisters for example come in maybe they don't wear hijab at all nobody yeah. criticizes them nobody has anything bad to say to them but as a sister that's gone in and wearing hijab the niqab you know we'll have a few sisters looking at you and funny especially when it comes time to pray or sometimes people mm -hmm. come and ask oh are you going to pray wearing that or you should you're not allowed to wear that when you pray and things like it's just like okay thanks i know how to do my prayers you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they always make a point of you know ch telling you what you should be doing when upon <laughs> a sister who maybe she's not wearing hijab um, or she's wearing the scarf but not covering completely properly especially for the salah nobody will say anything I won't speak for like every sister because I, you know, there may be some sisters out there who don't wear the hijab uh, who, or don't, who don't wear the niqab who have uh, come across sisters, niqabi sisters who are kind of pushed to say it like, this is what you should wear, this is what you should wear. I'm not denying their ex or their own personal experience, but I do believe that wearing the niqab um, is not, um, you know, a sister wearing the niqab is her personal choice. It's not something that she's telling you that you have to do. So you shouldn't have your back up straight away as soon as you see a Niqabi sister. Definitely, I probably yeah. were, were nice <laughs> this is what um this is like one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because I don't want it to be a case it's it's not to tell people oh it's um the niqab is obligatory or it's recommended. It's not about discussing the religious ruling. It's just to let sisters who do wear it or who have worn it and have all have tried it out let them express their views and their opinions because we should be able to express our views and our opinions about what it is to wear it and how it feels to wear it you know Definitely. that's what it's about it's the fact that we make that choice to do so yes, yes 
So um, finally, sister, um, what does the niqab mean to you? Oh, subhanAllah. If I was to put, just put it in a one word, uh, as, a, as a one word answer, I would just say safety. Um, because I have felt a lot of safety um, in my religion, in my own being as well, ever since I've worn the niqab. And especially as the years have gone by and it has become such a strong uh, part of me, I feel like you're saved from so many things. You say it from, um, you know, the niqab is a constant reminder when you go out. The hijab is as well, but, you know, because of the way uh, hijab is beautified or can be beautified, um, it can also create fitna or cause fitna. And you can still tend to go towards places that, you know, Muslim maybe should not be in. However, the niqab is something that anybody, you, you will not be seen in certain Islamic settings at all and um, I do believe the niqab is what prevents that because no woman in their right mind would wear the niqab and go into a club for instance yeah, like you just wouldn't do that because it's a reminder for you you know that look one you would never fit in yeah. <laughs> but secondly <laughs> I know but secondly you know it, it becomes part of your identity and it just saves you from so much and I do believe that is the greatest gift the niqab has given me is safety in my own um, you know, personality as well. I've, I've grown more in that as well and in my being. I do know that a lot of sisters have actually, um, and I've come across, especially on social media, where we've, when I've discussed niqab before, I've come across sisters who have actually said that, you know, if you're living in Western countries, you should not wear the niqab. And this, I've seen niqabi sisters who have maybe lived in like uh, Muslim countries for a long time, but then they came to a Western country and they took the niqab off. Um, it comes a lot from them, I've noticed, mm. uh, where they say that um, they're very strong in saying that, well, you shouldn't be wearing the niqab in a Western country because of your safety and this and that. But alhamdulillah, yes, some sisters do face a lot of discrimination and, um, you know, you get looks, you get, sometimes you get the drunk, odd drunk person throwing abuse at you. But from my experience, alhamdulillah, I did get that at the start, but now it's come to a point where I don't even look at people like that when I'm in public. So um, I don't really even notice if anybody's giving me any side looks or, if, uh, or if anybody does say something, I pretend like I completely can't hear it. So Alhamdulillah, it's, I feel like it's safety. There's, it's a safety and I definitely feel Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never have given us something uh, that uh, puts us in danger. I don't feel that. Uh, I feel, um, you know, the deen is perfect in every, in every way and every uh, rule and regulation has been set down according to one, what we can bear and what we can deal with. Yes, secondly, secondly, it is, um, everything is for our own benefit. And um, I, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So what advice would you give to sisters or what advice do you usually give to sisters who would like to wear it? and they're thinking about doing so? I would say if you feel like it, um, if you feel encouraged to wear it, alhamdulillah, I feel like it's a beautiful step to take. I do think that uh, maybe you, sh you should ease yourself into it, maybe wear it some days and then not wear it some days. And that way, it's not just you getting used to it, it's also your family members getting used to it. Mm. Um, and so, um, but those who feel confident enough to just take the big leap and just, you know, 
go for it and stick with it i think that is a blessing in itself as well allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you he will make the road easier for you if you um, have the um, intention to do something and if you have the right intention so you're doing it to um, you know emulate the sahaba and to you know to act upon the uh, verses of the holy quran to act upon the regulations and to um, you know identify yourself as a true muslim woman um, if you have all the correct intentions i do believe that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it very easy for you alhamdulillah subhanallah um so sister you yeah. have a book which you've written um, where can we find this book um it's on amazon you can find it on amazon in barnes and noble in water uh, waterstone um it's in book uh, bookstores worldwide but um if you want to want an easy little link where you can find it you can find it on amazon okay alhamdulillah and um what's your um what about your arabic um islamic art that you do as well i only have um, an instagram for both my islamic art and for my tailoring business at the moment okay. um because they're very small businesses <laughs> so yeah. um, uh, the islamic art business is zm underscore canvas c-a-n-v-a-s underscore art on instagram and um the tailoring business if anybody does want to check my work out is malabis underscore mutaanika so m-a-l-a-a-b-i-s underscore m-u-t-a-a-n-i-q-a mashallah so inshallah we'll, I'll, I'll include the links um at the bottom of the uh um, the post <laughs> of the podcast yeah. but um what kind of clothes are you tailoring uh i do i do all sorts so i do um because Alhamdulillah, there are lots of businesses out there for jilbabs and niqabs, yeah. which I feel is brilliant. But, um, I, you know, even niqabis wear normal clothes when they're at home. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, I cater, yeah so I cater for more like homeware or ladies-only parties or, you know, when the functions that sisters actually want to dress up for. Yes. Um, so, so like dresses, I do uh, buyers as well. And I do skirts and even nightwear. Okay. So, yeah so just a whole range of things i've had it it's all custom based so i make everything upon orders so i've had a few very different orders um i've had cushions made and things so i do do a, a range of things you'd have to message me to inquire about that. okay mashallah that sounds very interesting good i'll <laughs> definitely be checking that out inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> okay sister for giving us your time today it's been a really yeah. pleasure having this yeah. time to be able to talk with you honestly jazakallah for, for inviting yeah. me to talk to you yeah alhamdulillah it's been a pleasure assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh